0: I have Marios on the call. Marios, I really appreciate your time. And uh, this is going to be an interesting conversation. We've talked many times about diversification and uh, Marios is very into my, micro cap. And we're going to talk a little bit about what that is. And, and he started in real estate, went to microcap, and now he's going to start including real estate investing into his strategy again. But if you want more information, including all his links, because you've written a, a ridiculous amount of books. I think you're up to 15 books now. You got a YouTube no, it's, channel. It's
1: 1011. Yeah.
0: Or 1011. Uh, still, good grief. You can go to microcapexplosions.com, explos- and I'll make sure to have that link in the show notes. But really appreciate your time.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me.
0: So you we before we hit record you were talking about how you did get in, you started off in real estate investing reading rich dad poor dad and a few other things but uh let's what what drove you to the microcap
1: Yeah so you're right uh thanks for having me I uh I started I finished college in 2003 and this was around the time that poor dad and rich dad books were being published and at that time like I was not even in the labor force, and I was already thinking about passive income, retire early and things like that, uh, instead of you know trying to climb the corporate ladder. Uh, so after I read those books, that's what led me into real estate investing. And the best way I thought to learn about real estate investing was to become a, a real estate appraiser, to know how to value these things. And then, so I started off with uh, residential real estate appraising, and then I moved up to commercial real estate appraising, and then jumped into the brokerage side. I worked uh, on a team at Marcus and Millichop selling apartments. And then around the time when the financial crisis was happening, 2008, 2009, I was already very heavily involved in stock market investing on my own. And that's when I saw this opportunity. Everything was crashing. I literally went to my boss and I said, I, "I have more passion for for stock market investing than I do for real estate, and I think it's a good time for me to do it now when everything is crashing." And my last day literally was on December thirty first, two thousand and eight, and I just went full time into microcap investing at that time. So that that's that's kind of how my my journey started, how it went and now I've been at this game for about 12 years and now I'm kind of circling back into real estate for the purpose of generating uh, monthly cash flow and also diversifying diversity as they call uh, you know paper profits. I, I want to diversify and get into some some real assets.
0: So you, you just, describe something that i find really fascinating uh first of all you know you're you're leaving real estate invest, investing while the stock market is crashing everybody is running away from that um doing whatever they can I, I mean it's fire sales and and everything else everybody else is running away from the burning building and you're running towards it what kind of what what made you i mean that that's got to have some sort of mindset there to uh, take that type of action.
1: Well, I mean, it, it comes down to the fact that, look, if, if let's go back to real estate for a second, if you have a house that you're trying to buy, what is a better scenario when you have a lot of people bidding on the house, or when you're the only one that's bidding on the house? Right? It's 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 obvious. And then when you're trying to sell it, what is the Best situation where a lot of people are trying to buy the house from you, or if no one is trying to buy the house from you. So, I like to buy things when people are selling, and crisis panics, are the best way to get cheap assets. That's that's how I look at it. And the financial crisis created unbelievable sell-offs, and. Do uh, the companies that you were able to buy during this time were all of them were giving away on fire sales, and so then it was my job to make sure that I choose the ones that are going to stay in business and that are going to do just fine years down the road.
0: So where did you get the money to to invest, and what did you start off with when you uh, jumped in head first like this?
1: So I started with ten thousand dollars. This was actually the money that was i earned as being part of the group uh, selling apartments and we 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 during that time 2008 and 2000, 2008 and 2009 there was not a lot of apartments that sold because again nobody wanted to transact but we did make some sales and that money came from that and you might think well how can you possibly go full-time into this with ten thousand dollars well that's where my girlfriend and I. She said, "Just do it. You want to do it, and I'll pay all the bills." And that ten thousand dollars. Twelve years later, I was able to grow it into about seven million today. Focusing on the micro cap space, again going back to what I mentioned. Why do I want to go into that space? It's because there's barely any competition in that space. Mm-hmm. Um, when people talk about the stock market, what they have in mind is Companies on NASDAQ, Tesla, AMC, Microsoft, Apple, that's what they're thinking about. Uh, that's not what I think. When I think of investing, I want to go into places where I have very little competition, which is micro-cap space, meaning smaller companies that don't necessarily trade on NASDAQ or New York Stock Exchange, but companies that trade on secondary exchanges, such as maybe Canadian Stock Exchange or OTC or... TSX Venture in Canada, um, I can go and I can find fantastic opportunities, fantastic companies with very little competition because, let's face it, most people in the US don't even realize that TSXV exists. They don't even realize that Canadian stock exists. So, um, So if you look at the competition that I'm facing, you have retail investors. And you have institutional investors. What what are retail investors doing? Well, they're chasing Tesla, they're chasing AMC, GameStop, all the hot things, Bitcoin. That's what they're chasing. And institutional investors, they are in the game of gathering assets under management. In other words, they are making money, small small percentage on, uh, on the assets that they manage, whether it's 1% or 2%. So they are in the game of gathering assets. And if you are in the game of gathering assets, we're talking about big, big assets under management. And if you have $2 billion under management, are you going to be interested to go, go after $50 million, uh, $50 million companies or $10 million companies? No, because you would have to have a tremendous amount of them to make it worth it. So you are going to go after the Microsofts, Apples, Teslas, the big whales. That's where you're going to put your money. So, so that this, this, these group of people or institutions are out. They're not competing in that space. And retail investors are not really competing in that space. So very few individuals are competing in that space. And that's exactly where I want to be because I want to be there. I want to look at those companies, study those companies, uh, talk to the management because the management is accessible for small companies like this. And then I can buy them when nobody knows about but as they grow bigger, maybe sometime down the road, they will be big enough to to graduate to Nasdaq or New York Stock Exchange, and then they would be re-rated.
0: Sure. So you know, you you mentioned that a lot of people aren't even familiar with this level of trade. I mean, how did how did you even get started here?
1: Well, I started so on the real estate side with the poor poor dad, rich dad. That's what kind of gave me the start, but on the stock market side is Warren Buffett. So if you listen to some of Buffett's answers to questions, there was a question that was asked during Berkshire Hathaway meeting, what would you do if you had $10,000 and you were graduating from college? He said, I would go into smaller companies, obscure places, because that's where the probability of mispricing is the greatest. And I would start with an A and I would finish on the Z. In other words, going through every company one by one on a particular exchange and you increase the chances of success, you're choosing a game that you can easily win.
0: So, uh, well, you 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 offer obviously quite a bit of material that people can look into this and, and educate themselves um, before you consolidated some of this through your YouTube channel and and on your website, I'm sure it was kind of did you kind of fall into this? I mean you other than other than listening to Buffett, I mean it was, it was probably learn as you go type of situation.
1: Yes, but also real estate helped me because you see when people invest, in stocks, and, and and I don't like to say it's stocks, you're investing in companies because there's something behind that stock. They just go out and read what the company, uh, what the company's financials are saying, whether it's an annual report or 10K uh, or their website, they just take for what the everything that the company says, they take it for uh, as truth. And when I was in real estate and we looked at apartments and we had to underwrite apartments, we would always get the books and records and right, the profit and loss statement. And it was all over the place. I mean, if you trusted what the owners were telling you, you would never value these things properly. So they gave you the financials and you had to make sense out of them. And you had to confirm, you had to confirm things like, is the rental correct? Uh, the taxes that the owner is paying, are they correct? Uh, what about the insurance? Um, what about they would always like to omit certain things from, from these financials because maybe some of the repairs and maintenance they did on their own. So you have to uh, calculate that into the underwriting. So, but what it, what it taught me is that you have to go to other sources for, to complete the information. And when I got involved with the smaller companies, because smaller companies are riskier, um, that's a fact, and also the industry, the microcap industry, the industry calls it penny stocks, uh, toxic, don't touch it. So the space overall is is riskier, and I would say that about eighty to ninety percent of the companies listed there, I wouldn't touch myself. But there is about ten to twenty percent of them that are real companies that have real products, real customers, they have real solutions, and so. But I'm not just going to go and read what these companies are telling me they do. That's when I have to roll up my sleeves and kind of use the philosophy that I did with real estate. And that means get on the phone and call the customers of this company. Call them and find out why are you using this product? What is so special about this product? Is it hard for you to switch from this product to another product? I want to hear it directly from the customers. So, that I know that this product is real, they are real customers, and these products provide real solutions. Then I will uh, get on the phone and I will try to contact, um, in addition to talking to the management, of course, the CEO and uh, other people, I will contact the directors. Uh, Directors are supposed to represent the investors. So, I will ask the directors, How do you know the CEO? Why are you involved with this company? I wanna know the story. Or I will contact the former directors and I will ask them, what made you quit being a director for this company? What happened? I will get on the phone and I will start calling employees or former employees. Former employees are good because they will tell you a lot of dirt that the current employees won't tell you. But when you start doing this kind of work, you start uncovering whether the company that you're looking at, whether it's for real. And and a lot of times you will find out much more to the story than what's actually provided. Um, so that's kind of like how I married the stock market with uh, real estate investing.
0: Yeah, uh, just to remind everybody, head over to microcapexplosions.com. Like I said, I'll make sure to have that link in the show notes. Uh, it's a great consolidated place for all of uh, the links here. So that is something that's really telling though. you know, you, you talked about those large companies like Tesla and Apple and, and if you you're not going to be getting Tim Cook on the phone call from Apple. Uh, and ask him some questions directly like this, like you would with a microcap company.
1: Uh, you're absolutely right. And not only that, most some, I don't know, probably half of the companies that I am invested in in the microcap space, I have the CEO's cell phone. I can call them on a weekend. I can call them anytime to to, to get my um, questions answered. But also with the bigger companies, you have so many analysts and the entire world is looking at them is analyzing them is pulling their financials apart looking for clues what kind of advantage do i have i have zero advantage against those people who are following that but what kind of advantage do i have when i get involved in a company and there is not a single analyst covering them right i mean it's 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 like it's like playing basketball with children.
0: Mm-hmm. It's really interesting. And then you you also mentioned that you uh, look into the profit and loss and, and you're making a bunch of phone calls. Are you doing this all yourself? I mean, this sounds like a lot of of work, frankly, especially if you have to review probably as many companies as you do. Okay
1: the 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 actual work i would say it would take me about 2 to 3 weeks on a particular company but that's only when i'm seriously interested in that company first what i will do is let let me give you an example of what i recently did with the canadian stock exchange canadian stock exchange is known as the exchange for entrepreneurs and some companies choose to be listed there because it's cheaper And maybe they are at an earlier stage. You see, when we talk about venture companies and newer companies, in the US, the traditional path is they get financed through private equity or private venture capital. And at some point down the road, when they are big enough, they go public on NASDAQ or New York Stock Exchange to create liquidity for the founders. But that's not how all the companies go public. Some, some companies go public very early in their development stage because they want to give the founders very early liquidity. So they might choose to list on Canadian Stock Exchange. Even though their business might be completely in the US, they might choose to list there or TSX Venture, which is a Toronto Stock Exchange venture, and they choose to list there because it only costs them $250,000 per year to be listed there. And they they wouldn't even qualify to be listed on NASDAQ. And so recently what I did on Canadian Stock Exchange, there's about 700 companies listed on this exchange. And I simply went, like Buffett would say, started start on A and finish on Z. I would go through every single company and I would look at it. And a lot of them are simply companies that I have no interest in. If it's a mining company, no thank you. I lost enough money over the years on those. If it's an oil and gas company, no, no thank you. It's not a great business. If it's a company that develops uh, some cure for some disease, no thank you because I know nothing about biology. So I keep going until I find a real company that has you know, useful product. that's something that I can understand. And so from that list, I might narrow it down to maybe um, 50 that are something that I will look at. So then I will have a deeper look and then I will keep um, eliminating until I find something. Oh, okay. This one looks like I w- I want to d- dive real deep and then I will do a full due diligence on it, which might take me two weeks. But at that point, I already have a my mind pretty much made up whether I want to be involved and those the heavy due diligence just tells me, protects me that like, yeah, th- this is going to be good.
0: I think that's interesting that you you select those companies that you know something about. You, you avoid the ones that uh, you would probably, you don't have a background or you probably wouldn't use their product.
1: It's not a requirement for me to use the product, but what's a requirement is number one, I need to understand it and I need to understand why the customers are buying it because there's a lots of products that I don't buy. I buy very little for myself, but I want to know why the customer buys it. And sometimes sometimes I understand the company right away. Sometimes I think I can learn about the industry. So then I would look for articles or uh, books on the subject. For example, years ago, I was interested in investing in a NASCAR hosting Uh, NASCAR racing companies and how they host NASCAR races. I had no idea about NASCAR racing. I've never been to a race, but there were lots of books written about NASCAR racing and also NASCAR as a business. There was a book written NASCAR as a business. So I read the book and then I understood how the business works. And then after reading a book like this, I can go back and read the financial statements for the company, and be like, "Oh, okay, okay, I got it, I understand this business." And so, so that's how I, you know, get myself educated on the subject. But also, I'm not a trader. I'm a, I'm an investor, and I hold my positions for years. So I might spend two weeks or three weeks heavily studying the company, but then I have to just sit on my butt. And let the thesis play out. Um, you you don't make any money by jumping from one ship to another. You make money by selecting a good company that's 10% and 90% is sitting on your butt and waiting for the thesis to play
0: out. So it's obvious that you're expecting higher returns than you would normally see in the, the traditional stock market. And uh, you, I, I think I saw a couple of times where you you even call that out just saying that uh, you could possibly see better returns. What, what are your expectations or what are you shooting for?
1: You're absolutely right. There's no point in going into these obscure secondary places unless you can find bigger alpha. I can never tell you what the future will be, but I wouldn't even touch a company unless I know I can make several times my money. And the returns can be 10 times your money 5 times your money recently i had a success that was 100 times of my money and and those opportunities are absolutely out there and but it's not it's not something that oh you buy something and it goes up in a straight line there is a price that you have to pay for being in this space and the price is volatility and lack of liquidity you can Because there's so little competition in this space, you can literally, I always tell this story. I bought something at 1 p.m. I took a nap, and by the time I woke up from a nap, it was down 30%. (laughs) Uh, So that's the price you have to pay. Uh, You have to sometimes take several weeks to fill your position. If your position is large enough and there's not enough volume during the day, you might have to buy a little bit at a time. And then the same thing with selling, it might take you a few weeks to sell, and you have to you might have to go through periods of time that you see huge down volatility. No one is usually upset with upward volatility, but downward volatility, you just have to endure it. That's the price that you have to pay. But if you are willing to, if you have the stomach for volatility and you are patient and you understand that it takes years to for some of these, uh, thesis to play out, then absolutely the returns are, and can be life-changing. I mean, I changed my life like this.
0: Right. Well, and, and fair in, when you compare it a relatively short amount of time, I mean, you said you started off with $10,000 and you're up to millions now. I mean, it's, it's, that's pretty crazy really when you think about it.
1: Yeah, I mean, let me let me give you an example of of a company that was uh, the greatest contributor to, contributor to that. Because when when I started with ten thousand, it took me about ten years to get from ten to hundred, and then it took now about two years to go from hundred thousand to seven million. So. It's not again. It's not a straight line because those opportunities, when they happen, they happen, and you have to take uh, take advantage of that. I was involved in a company called Oracle that I bought in 2017. The stock was trading at four cents. The value of the company, or market cap, was about three million. Today, the stock is over three dollars, and the market cap is about five hundred million. So, almost a hundred beggar. And it was an interesting situation because it was a very special situation. In 2000, a gentleman, Mexican gentleman, sold a copper property located in Mexico to a crook. And the crook didn't pay him for the property, but took the title. And then the Mexican gentleman didn't have the money to pay for the legal fees to get the property back. This company called Oracle came in and said, we will pay for the legal fees. We will solve your legal problem. We will get you the property back. And in return, we will earn 50% interest in the property. So it took them about 10 years fighting the legals. And the legals were being fought in three different jurisdictions, Bahamas, Mexico, and the United States. By the time I got involved in 2017, they already won the lawsuit in Bahamas, I believe it was. and But it wasn't. Uh, What was happening in Mexico, uh, they had to register the property to the proper owner, and there was some lag time. And I was studying the legal documents because the legal documents were posted on this website that I found, uh, santatomascopperproject.com, because they were trying to give legal notice to the people that were interested in the property, and they uploaded all the documents. And I studied all the legal documents. Uh, from Bahamas and I saw how clearly they won the battle and then there was an ongoing battle going on in Arizona which was pretty crazy because there were two two uh parties fighting the the legal lawsuit in Mexico and Oracle owned both both of the parties it was crazy they owned both of, of the parties so the uh the the legal situation in Arizona was about uh, foreclosing or getting control over the other entity, even though they already owned it, but they had to actually foreclose on it through receivership. So I was buying legal documents from the Arizona courthouse as they were being published. So I would get on the phone with the court. I'm like, I would like to buy this document, and they would send it to me. I would pay like two dollars. They would send me the documents, and I was uploading all of these documents actually on a website for others to see, and I was getting those documents faster than the company was actually getting them themselves because I was getting them faster than the lawyers were getting them because I was like like a hawk watching it. The moment it got published, I got the documents. And so from these documents, I could see that the other party was literally losing every single argument. They said this, the judge said, no, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. I mean, it was just so obvious that even someone with no legal degree saw that there was zero chance for, for for the other party to to win so i made a huge bet on it i knew they were going to win the, the lawsuit nobody was paying attention the company was trading on tsx venture but i knew that if they won the lawsuit and then uh, they would get the title property registered the property itself was 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 worth 500 million and the market cap was only three million. And how did I know that the property was worth $500 Because the property was a monster. It was being studied uh, by universities. They they were including this property in textbooks, geological textbooks that they were teaching their students. So I knew that it was not some pie-in-the-sky property. It was something that everybody knew about. But because of the title issue or the legal problems, the market doesn't like this uncertainty the market wasn't willing to do the work and i did and because of that you know almost had a hundred beggar but it's just an example of how the opportunities like this exist out there they're out there but you have to go out and you have to find them no mm-hmm. financial advisor no no broker is going to tell you about them because those opportunities are so small that they can only fit in uh, small amounts of money, and then the financial industry is not structured in a way to expose those kind of opportunities to everybody else.
0: Mm-hmm. So you, you know, you at the beginning of the show, you mentioned that a lot of people don't even know about this. You know, you mentioned the Canadian market and and one other. Like, if somebody was interested in getting in this, is is I can't. Is this something you can? start trading on Robinhood? I mean, is, is is it as easy as that or is it a little bit more complex?
1: I don't know about Robinhood because Robinhood, you see that the general, I would say, get it, Get yourself a broker. Like I use interactive brokers, get yourself a broker that gives you access to multiple exchanges, international mm-hmm. exchanges, uh, because the traditional brokerage TD or, things like that, they might give you access to the traditional exchanges like NASDAQ and New York Stock Exchange, but they might not give you access to like OTC markets, which is over-the-counter market or Canadian Stock Exchange or TSXV or AIM in London or Australian Microcap Exchange in in Australia. Um, But I would say, get yourself a, a broker that gives you access to those spaces. And as far as education, study businesses. Learn what makes businesses good, what makes businesses bad, and then don't worry about the size of the businesses or liquidity. See, I always use the example of an 100-unit apartment building. For example, the, the financial industry, including the people in real estate, will say, oh, don't touch small companies, don't touch microcap companies. And how many people do we all know that have their entire life savings? In, an, in apartment buildings. For example, they might have it in a four unit apartment building, 10 unit or 100. So let's just use a 100 unit apartment building, depending on where it is. Let's say that apartment building is worth $10 million. An individual will have no problem putting all of their life savings into something like this. And they would say, oh, I'm v- being smart about it. But if you take that same apartment building and you put it into a public vehicle, a publicly traded company, for example, on Canadian Stock Exchange, then that apartment building would now be toxic. Don't touch it. It's too risky. How ridiculous is this? So it's not the size or the stock price in itself that makes something risky. It's what's behind it that makes it risky. If you invest in a mining stock that is not going to find gold, or if you invest in a cancer cure that's not going to become cancer cure, well, that's risky in itself. But if you invest in a company that offers real solutions, has real revenues, real profits, real management, real everything, then how is this more risky than than Microsoft?
0: It's not. You you already kind of uh, broached the subject there. Is that the best way? Like if somebody really wanted to learn about this and and get involved and understand this outside of Going to your YouTube channel and, and heading over to your website, MicrocapExplosions.com. Um, would you say that there is that would be their best approach is to to jump in and start studying these businesses?
1: Yeah, I would say educate yourself on investing from the fundamental point of view. Study businesses. You can go to my website, microcapexplosions.com, and I have a free book, MicroCap Investor. You can just download it. I, I don't even need your email. I don't use any of these marketing tactics. Just go with there. You can download it for free. Um, I have other 10 books that, yes, you have to pay. It's on Amazon. Um, but yeah, I educate yourself about fundamental investing uh, and uh, and then use that knowledge to uh, to play a game that you can win. So in other words, what's the point of getting educated on the subject And then going into a space where there's lots of competition and you have no edge. No, take that knowledge, go into a place and play a game that you can win.
0: So do you feel that uh, somebody has to have a substantial amount of capital to get started? I mean, you started with 10,000, but for some people, that might be quite a bit of money.
1: Well, if you have, here's the thing. If you have a large capital base, let's say a million, if you generate 10% 10% a year. That's that's some serious money that you're making per year. But if you have if you have less money, then then it will either take you a lifetime to 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 grow this into something if you go the traditional route or if you can go on traditional route you can grow it faster. But you know what sometimes a lot of times I tell people, look, if you don't have a lot of money, stocks or microcaps or real estate might not be the best the best thing for you either. Maybe maybe the best thing is to maybe start a small venture because that's the best use of your capital. Like, for example, when I had less money, books were a fantastic way to make, make a living because it would cost me a week or two to write a book, but then it generates $1, $2, a 1,000 to 2,000 a year in income. That That's a better use of my time at that time when I don't have the money. Or mm. years ago, I created, because I am in a, I'm a ballroom dancer, a competitive ballroom dancer. I noticed that in the ballroom dance industry, there was no information on how to make ballroom dresses. And ballroom dresses would cost three to $5,000 because they are all custom made. So I noticed that there was nothing like that. So I got myself a camera. I learned how to shoot videos. And I uh, we approached, my partner and I, we approached a, a costume designer in New York and I said, "Hey, there's nothing there. Let's get together, make instructional videos on how to make ballroom dresses. We we got it done in a week. Uh, we it cost them it cost us like a week. Whatever it cost me to buy the camera. We put previews on YouTube because we had zero competition. There was nobody else doing it. We didn't even spend a dime on marketing. And over a period of five years, we made like a hundred thousand dollars on a week." week worth of work. So that was much better for me to take a thousand dollars or two thousand, whatever I did, to buy a camera and create a product like this, than to even invest in a stock market or microcaps. But as my wealth grows and gets bigger, then then I'm look then it's not worth it anymore. It's right now it's not worth it for me to write more books because my time is better spent searching for the next microcap idea that I can put, you know, serious money into and grow it even bigger.
0: Yeah, I, I can't stress enough about that advice you just gave there. I mean, there that's, that's really telling. I mean, there's, you're absolutely right. You have to decide what, uh, is worth your time and, and the best approach. I mean, the micro might be the place where you land and that's where you're, you made most of, if not all of your majority of your money. But, uh, when you're starting things out, uh, that might be a better approach. And, and I think that's, that's a great realization for a lot of people.
1: As you, as you grow as an individual, as you grow your wealth, your investment opportunities change. Warren Buffett started in microcap, but then as his wealth grew bigger and bigger, he had to graduate to bigger things because simply of too much money. And that's kind of what I'm doing right now is yeah, I can be in this space for a few more years, even if my net worth reaches a hundred million. That's probably I I would have to move up, move up to larger companies. But that's why I'm looking into real estate to take some of that, put it in real estate so that it generates a monthly monthly income so that I can extend my life in microcap space and make it longer. Uh, but i am you know i'm changing i am adapting as as my wealth grows and my time becomes better spent in certain things now that wouldn't make sense 5 years ago
0: so well this has been a great conversation and in fact you know when we started things off yeah i was kind of wondering where this conversation was going to go but man this was this was an eye opener i really appreciate your time um, and uh, before I let you go, I warned it. What you were, I warned you it was coming. Is there a question you wished I would have asked you here today?
1: I think the one thing that I want to say is there's a lot of different theories out there about investing. Some people make make it this way. Some people do options or this. E- even in real estate, there's so many different philosophies. Some people some people focus on residential. Some some do office. Some do industrial. Some some do mobile home parks. Like this is the area that I. I'm looking into. And I think each individual has to find what works for them, what suits their own personality, and also what suits them at a particular uh, time that they are in the development as an investor and as a human. So that's what I would leave people with.
0: Well, I really appreciate your time again. Um, and uh, one more time, head over to microcapexplosions.com for more information. Uh, And there's a ton of content out there. So I really appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Have you learned at least one actionable step to incorporate into your real estate investing? If so, please consider returning some of that value by leaving a positive review, subscribing to our YouTube channel, or joining our growing network on Facebook and Twitter. You can find links to all of our social media accounts in the show notes. See you next time.